Hello. Hi there. We're back. We're back to fight the evil. Or not. We're just here to talk about stupid old shit. I got to take umbrage with you, Squeezer. Uh-oh. I listened la- to last week's podcast, and I laughed a lot. But I laughed the most at how you mispronounced the island John Hammond bought to build Jurassic Park on. How do you say it? Nubular? I think it's just Nublar. Nublar? Yeah. Well, you say Nadri. No, it's Nadri. You say, but you say Nadri. Mm. I just let you go because I find it amusing and adorable. <laughs> but I know it. I know it's Nadri. It's not. It's nu- well, it's, it's like Nublar. I Nublar? I could Nublar? be wrong. Nuclear. Nuclear. It's pronounced nuclear. Nubliar. It's pronounced Nubliar. You might be right, and I might be wrong. But. I, mean, I was, I was ten years old trying to put a U and an E and a B and an L together and try to make a sound out of it. I was, I was just kind of excited that I read the word "fuck" for the first time. So I was more concentrated on that than you read the word what? Oh, in the, in the book. novel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come running downstairs, mom, dad, look. They say fuck. Eh, at least he's reading. Oh, and then in this page, it talks about him getting his intestines ripped out. Well, at least he's reading. At least he's reading. So, some sad news. Oh, no. Yeah, so. Is that what we're starting off with? Yeah. Sad news? Sad news. What's the sad news? Well, it's uh, this week in history. It just so happens to be this week on uh, February 16th of 2017, George... The animal steel passed away. Yeah, he was old as fuck, though, right? He was 79. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of young. But, but for a wrestler, that's for old. For a wrestler, yeah. I mean, he made it. He was in bad shape. I guess he had Crohn's disease. That's oh, why he retired shit. back in the 80s. Uh, he had his colon removed, and uh, eventually he died. So, meeting all those turnbuckles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, all that foam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, that, yeah. The green dye they probably used <laughs> to dye his tongue. Probably wasn't too healthy either. Uh, Vince McMahon's probably like, ah, here's some paint. <laughs> Drink it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it was just one, just, it just said green paint, China. Yeah, right. It's just lead and whatever makes green. They didn't even need to be lead in it. They just added it. <laughs> it's just it's there. an additive. Yeah. Um, but Doing yeah, kid, kidney failure. So. Oh, man. But. I, I knew George Animal Steel most for his giant LJN rubber figure with his green tongue sticking out. And then it had his his body hair was on his body as like bumps on the figure. Do you remember that? Mm, I don't I don't recall the figure. Those giant LJN rubber figures mm-hmm. that you could beat a man to death with. But yeah, I remember him. You know, he had his, his big feud with Macho Man. Uh... But, I mean, by the time I was old enough, he was pretty much semi-retired. Uh, he was doing a lot of just outside the ring work. And then it was uh, 98, he kind of came back as a supporting character for the uh, the oddities during the Attitude Era. You remember them. Yeah, Earthquake was a uh, Golgar, right, or whatever? Yeah, and he'd come out with, like, the Cartman, Cartman doll. Cartman doll, yeah. Uh, Cyrus the Virus was a... Well, he started, it was the Jackal. Became Cyrus in uh, ECW. 
okay. And then uh, Luna, and somehow they put Sable in there. I don't know, but but yeah, he would come out, and he was just fun. He was a, a strange baby face. He made it work. Very few guys can. What, what was that doll he carried around? They sold that, right? Oh yeah. Fuck. What was the name of it? Uh, look that up. Listen to us type. I'm just scrolling because I already have it pulled up. Oh. oh here it is. Yeah. What the hell is it? George Animal Steel. Mind doll. <laughs> the huggable creature bears a striking resemblance to George Animal Steel with its bald head and green tongue. It wears a bracelet that says mine. Yeah, they sold it. Wasn't Luna Vachon his daughter? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, or am I, am I mistaking her? No, oh, Luna she's dead. Was, <laughs> is she? Yeah. Died uh, at drug overdose. I know she is of lineage. I'm trying to remember who, though. Uh, the Vashon family. No, Mad Dog Vashon. Oh, maybe I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, I know she comes from wrestling. Yeah. Well, so we lost George. Lost George. So that's sad. Yeah. We, we lost half our audience because they think we're talking about wrestling. <laughs> we're not. We're talking about TV shows. Yay, sitcoms. Sitcoms. No, we don't have any very special episodes, do we, that are going to depress us anymore after this? <coughs> we do. Oh, shit. That's right. I did. Really, I should have picked I mean, different ones to watch when preparing for this. Right. The very it special episodes me. were the episodes. and then Or the final episode of my final pick, which... Oh, God, man. Well, they your, they your, dropped the ball on that. Your first pick had tons of, like, teaching moments in it. Oh, yeah. It was, that's, that's what it was, its job was, even though its creators sold drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we get to it? Yeah. All right, here's your first pick. The brain child of Tim Allen launched his career from a career of stand-up and drug dealing. Also launched Pamela Anderson's career. Patricia Richardson? I I don't know what she did before this. I don't know, but that was oddly turned out by uh, Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, I would be remiss and would not be sleeping in a... the same bed with my wife if I didn't mention Jonathan Taylor Thomas, possibly the greatest heartthrob of... Uh, JTT, from this area. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jonathan Weiss. The Weiss family resides from right here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. But, uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a dreamboat. But were you, were you, uh, were you uh, a Pamela Anderson fan? Or were you more of a... I was more of a Heidi guy. Oh, I liked Heidi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was... Uh, I like Pamela Anderson too. We here's a here's Debbie a good Gunning. Pamela Anderson story. We were at a bar the other night for a party on Wednesday night, and they were doing trivia. At the end, they had a tiebreaker. What they did was they put up ten 
uh, old yearbook photos, and you had to guess the people who the people were. And for each one you got right, you had five points. For each one you got wrong, you lost five points. So if you didn't know it, you left a blank. If you did, you got it. They put up this picture, and nobody, I think, in the bar knew. And I looked, I go, I think that's Pamela Anderson. And the whole group's looking at me like, really? That's can't. I'm like, just put Pamela Anderson. Put Pamela. They went through, and I was the only one. They're like, ah, one person got, one team got this. And it was us. It was Pamela Anderson. And the people on our team were like, how did you know that? And I was like, uh, so many, so many years. Just Touching studying myself every detail. Horribly <laughs> studying every detail of Pamela Anderson. She was the heartthrob. The that's one post that this is pre-internet pornography. Mm-hmm. So all we you had, had sitcoms was sit- and posters. <laughs> yeah, sitcoms and posters. Yeah, it was like flipping through the TV trying to find something that could work. Oh God, if we, you didn't we went up, off on a horrible thing. Yeah, if you didn't come across the scramble channel and you're just trying to look through all the lines, like there it is, I see a boob. This could work. This could do it. <laughs> uh, no, that's a butt with a dimple. That's a guy. Uh, also, if we're if we're talking news about Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Did you see who was cast as Simba in the John Favreau live-action remake? Mm-hmm. My man, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. And he'll be fucking perfect as that. Did you see who they cast as, uh, uh, what the hell is it? The, the lion, the, his dad. Mufasa. Mufasa, yeah. James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's playing himself again. Well, they could bring it's back fantastic. They probably bring back most of everyone. the cast, yeah. but you can't bring back Jonathan Taylor Thomas. No. But Donald Glover has a young voice, and he could fucking sing. Mm-hmm. Just can't wait to be king. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's, well, it's a good play. Yeah. Hamlet. And it's not Home Improvement. <laughs> we're doing it already. On a tangent. Well, Home Improvement. Let's talk Home Improvement. Well, this is this is what we were talking about last night. I am your Al Borlin. You are. To your I, Tim the Toolman yes, Taylor. In every faction of our life. And in fact, just the other day I was watching where Al was getting pissy with Tim and decided, you know what? Anyone can do your job. So he decided to switch jobs. So Al hosts a show and then Tim just stands there letting Al hang out to dry while he's making bad jokes and just <laughs> bombing in front of everyone. And I could just see myself just bombing having no confidence whatsoever and just feeling that nothing energy coming from the crowd as i just sulk and slowly (laughs) slowly die inside you would be perfect but fortunately this i watch on a pretty regular basis now it's on one of the I don't watch tv i should it's on one of the uh, sd channels that like Mm. they don't even bother putting it in the hd package so it's mm. like channel like 40 or something mm. like that uh but yeah home improvements on all the time and it's a it's a nice uh it's a nice like shot in the arm of like a good sitcom when there's so much other uh, i don't want to call it dog shit um but i mean when there's so many shows out there i don't want to say like you know something like big bang theory but um <laughs> I don't know. There's something to this. There's a there's depth to it. Every character, they and just the home and everything. It, it feels like it could be a real world in which they all interact with. Hmm. So, was there any scandals that came from the show? Wasn't the youngest kid like a little fuck? I don't think so. Was he? I mean, at, towards the end of the season, they made them all like goth and shit like that. Mm. Um, 
won in one way or another. Like it was always nominated for shit, but never won. Except People's Choice Awards. People's Choice Awards always was always either the fuck show the or Emmys. Tim Al- Tim Allen always won. Yeah, I don't give a fuck what people that make TV think. Mm. You should give a fuck about people that watch TV think. Yeah. Viewers Choice. Uh, yeah, it was funny, and Tim Tim is always getting into his uh, upgrade. Uh, like when he was trying to upgrade more power, more power. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then the, upgrading simple things in the house. The the dynamic. Oh, the was it the shop vac or like the leaf blower that he like inverted. <laughs> so she had all her like paperwork and stuff for her job or whatever, and it just <laughs> sucked all the. Ah, oh, it's just. Classic glued his head to the table. Yeah. <laughs> his grunts. I could see that. That that like for me that's like the one part of the show where it's almost that's where it only really like dates itself, I think. Why? The I don't know. I think like the grunting thing, it kinda ran its course. It might be because it actually became such a pop culture thing that okay. that's what you kinda just did. Yeah. Like in the street. Like people did it. Like it was Oh really? Yeah. Uh, so maybe Make that became <clears throat> that became uh, cliche in a way, but the show as a whole, I think, still stands up. And the dynamic between Tim Allen and Patricia Heaton, like the the uh, Patricia Richardson. Um, Patricia Heaton was isn't that the the what's that fucking Everybody Loves Raymond? Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Who Patricia Richardson. But, like, it, it was a really warm, but, yet yeah, you know, they would, you know, have conflict and stuff, and it would be resolved. But it wasn't always, like, this, you had your mushy moments, too. Yeah, there was mush. Yeah, there was a special episode. There's drug episodes, like, about the kids getting offered drugs or something. I don't know. Oh, is that they find it in yeah. Randy's room or something? Yeah, they find shit. weed. <laughs> It's funny when you go back and look on the weed episodes when weed's going to be <laughs> legalized in this country. Well, maybe. I don't know where we're going now, but it's legal in some states. Okay. I'm out of things to say. Let's move on to a show that had four good seasons. So, Squeezer, after the loss of a very important person on this show, I couldn't go back. And that important person was Candy Alexander. <laughs> she was a dime piece. Uh, no, Phil Hartman passed away because his crazy wife killed him. Uh. And um, the show came back for one more season. It just didn't work. But that show was so funny News radio because it had so many funny people on it. Dave Foley, Kids in the <laughs> Hall. One of the, Kids in the Hall was probably my introduction to that comedy. Doesn't have to be slapstick. It can be fucking weird and mm-hmm. it could get deep and you could beat a joke to death. And it's and it'll, it'll go from being funny to being not funny to being weird to being fucking hysterical. Like I learned that from Kids in the Hall. And then Dave Foley. And Joe Rogan talks about this. Dave Foley was like an uncredited writer yeah. and, and producer on the show because he'd come in and take a scene and redo it yeah. right there well, on the spot. He, this is the whole cast because like 
Stephen Root. Stephen Root was just a funnier person alive. Funnier person, possibly the greatest character actor ever. Ever. Bill Dotrieve from King of the Hill. I don't. You're not a King of the Hill guy, right? Yeah, but I don't recall. not like he played um, Mr. Strickland and, and Bill mm-hmm. Dotrieve in King of the Hill, and he was he's genius voice acting yeah. for those two characters. Um, more, uh, Milton from Office Space. <laughs> Office Space. <laughs> That's classy. It's a Howard Stern moment. Um, Andy Dick. Andy Dick was, yeah, uh, Rogan was great in it. Uh, Martini. What did she go on to do? ER, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was funny in it because she played the straight person, you know, the straight man. Um, and Vicky Lewis was great because she was a dum-dum. And Candy Alexander. Oh. And the, the Phil Hartman interaction yeah. with Candy mm-hmm. was so great. Phil Hartman just played an uh, asshole. Well, I watched, um, <laughs> the, of course, when I go back to do my research, it was, uh, what was it, Phil's or uh, Bill's Gone? or uh, John Lovitz? Well, it, it's the opening episode the season five where they deal with phil hartman's death and they just say that you know bill suffered a heart attack and they all kind of go through that but then uh yeah candy alexander they go around reading the letters that bill left for all of them and it's some of it's kind of funny nice stuff him being his usual dick self but then the letter to her is just a sexually explicit what Oh yeah, Candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was gross with her, and it was great. And uh, Jimmy James was Stephen Root. Uh, he was Jimmy the James station owner, and he um, took a liking to uh, Matthew Brock, Matthew Brock, Andy Dick's character. Who? What? What did Matthew even do? He was like a part-time on-air guy. He just he wanted to be there. Mm. He's the guy that wanted to be there. And he, it was pretty much it was Andy Dick. Yeah, right. Um, Bill but, McNeil was uh, the news anchor, right? <laughs> but the beauty of it was Paul Sims to be a writer and not have that ego where it, your word is gold. I mean, there are some people where you don't change the words. Well, Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. he gives you a script. You read what the guy gave you. But, yeah, he would just let them, a lot of that, they said was just spur of the moment improv rewriting stuff just working together then bouncing off of each other and i think that's what made that show because a lot of it was you know they uh you had the characters on the show but they all kind of pulled from their uh personalities it was very much almost just a, a picture of the show in itself you could almost call it a show in a show yeah. Rogan almost wasn't on it. He was the third guy in line. Third guy, yeah. It yeah. wasn't, speaking of Everybody Loves Raymond, he was the first guy, right? Yeah. And he's glad he didn't get the part. Right, yeah. He admits that it wouldn't have worked for him. And yeah, he didn't have the comedic timing for it. Like, his kind of comedic timing wouldn't work on that kind of show. And Joe might have been the Unabomber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, but there was a mix. And then they tried to bring in John Lovitz, because he was good friends with uh, Phil Hartman. Yeah. I just remember the one episode where Phil Hartman was constantly playing political songs on his piano. Do you remember that one? No. Oh, he just kept pissing off Dave. And uh, Tone Loke was in that show, right? Um, yeah, Toby Huss was too. The security guards, yeah. 
That was a good show. News radio. It's a shame shows like that aren't made anymore. It's, yeah. It's with well, such they, great they, cast. They took a lot of shit from NBC. Did they? Back and forth, yeah. Well, there was a... <laughs> um, I guess there was an interview that Paul Sims did with Rolling Stone in, like, the midst of the fourth season. And I don't... I'm trying to think of the exact word. Oh, quote-unquote, cocksuckers. NBC execs were cocksuckers. Really? Because um, he just... They were at the point where they figured they weren't going to get renewed. Then they did renew. And then there was an article that came out a little later where... Now both sides, NBC is defending why they renewed it, trying to make sense of it, and Paulson's going, yeah, I guess they're not that bad for just one more season trying to get along. But yeah, their feeling was, what, what I don't get is, like, their take on it was they were just awful people, mm-hmm. and that they didn't see anyone as, like, likable. But, I mean, it worked for Seinfeld. This is a okay, show that another, right now... A uh, major point, NBC wanted the show to contain story arcs, but the producers preferred the shows were self-contained. And story arcs often concluded hastily. Uh, one example is in a late third season arc in which Lisa decides she wants to have a baby with Dave, but doesn't want to get married. After being introduced, the idea was dropped in the episode Mistake with barely a mention. NBC would, on occasion, display displeasure with the content of episodes. For instance, many episodes in the second seizure feature a comedic cold open ending with Matthew injuring himself or knocking someone over before the title sequence. According to the DVD commentary, NBC ordered a halt to this because they found it tiresome. <laughs> I love those. Well, that's what you get when you have no, you get people in charge with no sense of humor or any ability to understand how comedy works. They've seen, they've seen the formula that does work. NBC, they saw the home improvement formula, and that's what they want. NBC had pushed for a Sam and Diane-type relationship between Dave and Lisa, but Paul Sims opted to have these characters sleep together in the second episode and have the tension come from the aftermath. <laughs> Later, NBC ordered a wedding to be incorporated into the show to boost ratings, and in response to the show, our 50th episode featured a B-story in which Jimmy tries to force Joe and Lisa into a fake on-air marriage, which Lisa outright refuses. <laughs> Uh, it's very much uh, like I, I could see now this <coughs> you don't you couldn't do it anymore because it was all about that cast. But like this is something that you could see thriving on like a Netflix now oh, yeah. where they don't give a fuck. Right. It's like just go for it. Do it. Make it good. Yeah. Make it just make good TV. Well, that's uh, kind of now what's, what's happened in television. Um, and that's why you see at the Emmys because who gives a fuck with the Emmys? But mm-hmm. the Emmys are all about. Uh, cable and streaming because they don't make them do so many episodes they make them do a handful of good ones so you're saying quality over quantity (laughs) yeah who would have thunk anyway let's go on to your second which was a lead-in for my show oh Was this a spinoff of Cheers? It wasn't necessarily a spinoff. But there but was always was, Cheers get people it, on it, right? It, it's in the Cheers universe. Oh. So Wings. Frasier. Frasier. 
Cheers. I think Taxi is also considered part of the Cheers universe. Because Taxi was before. Yeah, well, Taxi was first, but I don't. I think it's just. Who spun off of Taxi to make Cheers? I don't think it's a spinoff. It's just that in in the producers' minds, like it's all one world that they like they could coexist in. Hmm. Uh, and there was one more. What was the one more spinoff? I'm trying to think of. Outside of Frasier. It'll come to me. Or maybe I just made something else up. But yeah, they a lot of those guys all had cameos. Uh, Frasier, Rebecca, and then uh, uh, Cliff and Norm showed up in one. Yeah. This was a smart show. It was. And it uh, Tony Shalhoub got his start before he was Monk. He, uh, he was a handyman, Sh- right? And he was crazy? Yeah, he... Extremely sexually confused. Right. Um, yeah, he was probably one of my favorite characters. And I loved Roy, too. I don't know why. I, I just thought... Who, who, who was Roy? Roy, he was the, the competing... Oh, the big fat guy. Oh, that okay. Was, he was kind of like the fall guy. He was the... Uh, uh, what's the word that they use in the English language to antagonist Mm. david tram um but yeah it it, it, i was watching it i watched a couple of them i'm like no one really worked yeah they always (laughs) sit around they just sit around the airport the whole time it's kind of like if you did a story on our tv station hmm if but there would have to be one person just behind the counter just serving up coffee yeah, we could get that. Uh, but yeah, I'm running through my notes here. Oh, it did win a TV Land Award for Best Airborne Characters. Really? Yes. It's got to be it something. It doesn't get much more specific than that. No. I don't think I watched this in its original run. I probably watched this in syndication a lot. I definitely watched it in syndication. Um, there was one episode... Um. Uh, which one was that? It's when Steven Weber's character, he moves in with, uh, Faye. And then he watches, uh, like a crime show. And there's a little cameo of Maury Povich. And, uh, it, I think every series has one of these episodes where someone is convinced that a regular is a serial killer that's going to try to kill them. Does every series have one of those episodes? I think if you go at least beyond five seasons, you have to do that one. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so he was convinced that she was like this black widow, and then he's paranoid the entire time that she's trying to kill him. Okay. But as I'm watching, I'm like, is that Maury Povich? Like, it, I mean, this because this was, shit, when was this? Probably like 92 or 91 or 92 when this episode aired, so it was a very young Maury Povich. And it was the voice that gave it away more than anything until he actually introduced himself as Maury Povich on the show within the show. Show within the show. I also gave us Thomas Hayden Church. Who had a bad turn as Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Well, I mean, he he left the show early because he moved on to bigger and better things. What was that show he had on Fox? Ned and Stacy. Ned and Stacy. Now, in my mind, I don't want to go too much on Ned and Stacy... In my mind, this show was on for 10 years. No, like no, a week. 
<laughs> because every time I would be watching The Simpsons, there's always a commercial on for Ned and Stacy. Oh. And in my head, I just... Always, I never. I don't think I ever watched it. How long did it go on? Thirty-five episodes. <laughs> yeah, got it. I think it got cut in the middle of the second season. Well, he was going to be a star, even though he was the star of this show. He's a co-star of this show. Yeah, like he's a co-star of that show. Well, I don't know. The male lead, I guess, he was of Ned and Stacy. He mm-hmm. was a co-lead. He was, yeah, it was secondary. Your leads, one of your lead secondary characters, I guess, behind Tim Daly and Stephen Weber. I like Stephen Webber in Studio 60. Uh, of course you did. Because. Right. It was your boyfriend. Who wrote yeah. It. He wrote it. So yeah. I love anything that he does and anyone that's in anything that he does. Well, let's move on to a show that is also a spinoff of another <laughs> show. Hillman University. <laughs> Hillman College, I believe it was. Different world. This was originally a spinoff of The Cosby Show. It was a spinoff for one season. For one season, until Lisa Bonet left the show. Forced out. Oh, she was forced out. Well, her and uh, Lenny knocked her up. Oh. She was going to have a baby. And... Oh. That's it. <laughs> and and I guess from what I understand, Bill Cosby's uh, said uh, Lisa Bonet might be pregnant, but uh, Denise Hux- Denise Huxbull cannot is be. not. It cannot be uh, a uh, an unwed mother. That was his big thing. And that uh, man, who would have ever thought? Bill Cosby was a voice of yes, moral, moral authority. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Um, <clears throat> Whatever. The show got better. I, um, yeah. It was one of the first shows ever to address AIDS, the AIDS <laughs> epidemic. Uh, it became focused on uh, Whitley and Dwayne Wayne after. Dwayne Wayne. Yeah, with his patent glasses. Uh, and I think Kanye... Uh, I know Kanye's referenced The Hill <coughs> is in Hillman College. And I know Chance the Rappers also, but he was kind of referencing Kanye referencing it. They they definitely hit on some heavy heavy topics in this show. Yeah, absolutely. They took on the Gulf War. Really? Yeah. Um and a lot of like uh black cultural issues like the whole they did the whole thing on like the mammy issue and then uh sexual harassment stuff yeah wow meg ryan was originally cast for the role of the white friend really yeah tupac was in this was he yeah what what did he uh he played uh jada pinkett's old boyfriend 
Yeah, she, Jada Pinkett was in the later seasons. Uh, well, Marissa Tomei and Lisa Bonet were both off after season one. Mm-hmm. And then it was uh, Jalissa, Whitley, Stevie, Dwayne, Wayne, Letty, Ron, who was recurring, then became Maine. Uh, Sinbad was uh, Coach Walter Oaks. And he was recurring the first and then became main. He got his start on this show. Uh, of course, Winnie became, you know, main after season one. I don't even remember the season. Like, the, in syndication, the Lisa Bonet episodes were rarely a... No, I don't... I mean, because now that I think about it, that was 87, I think, when 87 to 88 was the first season. Right. When she was on, so yeah, I wasn't watching different world then so i would have caught it in syndication and i mean what it was it seven years did it run for mm-hmm. seven or eight mm-hmm. so yeah the odds are of those episodes being on yeah especially really this was that- sinbad was this sinbad's first uh i mean i know he was doing stand-up and here's a notable episodes in season two an episode titled no means no deals with date rape Freddie has a crush on Hillman's new top-notch baseball star, Garth Parks, played by Tamik. Uh, Dwayne hears Garth discussing a disturbing incident involving another woman. <clears throat> Dwayne goes to Walter, who is Sinbad, for advice, and Walter tells him about date rape. Dwayne tries to warn Freddie, but she does not believe Garth would do such a thing. Later at a dance, Garth goes off alone with Freddie and attempts to rape her, but Dwayne finds them and fights Garth. At the end of the episode, Walter takes Garth to the police station for assault on Freddie and rape and uh, the other woman. In January 1991, seven days before the beginning of Operation Desert Storm, Blair Underwood guest starred in the episode War and Peace about the impending Persian Gulf War. A Different World became the first situation comedy to address the topic, and War and Peace was one of the highest rated episodes of season four. In the season... Wait, wait. So Dwayne Wayne's in college... Yeah. And he has no concept of what date rape is. He had to go to Sinbad to explain it to him. <laughs> it's before the internet. Well, that's true. In season four episode, Mis- Misunderstanding, Hillman student Shaza Zulu peddles a book <clears throat> he has written and self-published that is highly critical of the African-American men and their alleged sexist behavior. The episode is based on the surround- surrounding book, The Black Man's Guide to Understanding Black Women. The book, written by controversial African-American uh, Shahrazad Ali, I probably butchered oh, Hang on, name. I got to add this. Hang on, just putting this on my reading list. <laughs> Blamed many of the problems within the black family and the black community on African-American women. Although many black women found the book highly offensive and intellectually deficient, African-American men pe- purchased in the hundreds of thousands of copies, leading to a temporary rift between African-American men and women. Ali's book is mentioned specifically in a 1990 episode, Time Keeps on Slipping, where Ron suggests putting it in a time capsule to represent a female point of view, but it's shouted down by women in the group. Oh, wow. Here, the, the N-word made its appearance. On NBC? They attempted to spray paint the word on Ron's car. Oh, they didn't actually say it. Stop them before they could complete, complete the word. <clears throat> Man. Good show to grow up to, seriously, I guess, right? Yeah. For for young, impressionable boys, privileged white boys, learn a little something. To be fair, though, they weren't exactly uh, the poorest 
of African American children in this. Uh, well, they didn't have to be. It's well, showing no. that, you know, that's what was always portrayed. Yes. Now it was. That like, it was. The, the well, Hillman I mean, University, the, her Hillman College was. It's based off of, uh, well, a couple. Right, but it's. Real colleges. Uh, it was a wealthier all black college in yes. Virginia. But it showed that, yeah, you could be black and well off it showed that it could it, there exist. were well there off were, black yes, people in the world that, well i mean cosby started that yeah cosby did you know, start that that was I mean, philadelphia right what the huxtables lived in philadelphia i think so yeah, yeah i think he kept it there but yeah it was, he was a doctor he was dr huxtable and a real life piece of shit a probably the the biggest serial rapist in the history of american culture we don't perhaps allegedly 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 Allegedly. all you have to say is allegedly you get out of getting sued we are we are never gonna get through this episode (laughs) oh just wait we're gonna get hung up towards the end too because i could be there for quite some time here's your next one hey yo what's up what's my theme music People actually watch the show? <laughs> this was by request. But uh, yes, I, 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 I did. I will admit. I watched it. Well, to be fair, though, I was merely... I was a big fan of sitcoms with a left-to-right kitchen-to-living-room spatial displacement. Right-to-left was a little... Just the way my house was laid out in the kid when I cut it in half and viewed myself as a sitcom... No, right to left is the way to go. Yeah. Roseanne went right to left. The kitchen on the right, living room on the left. Oh. Yes. No. Roseanne went the other way. No. If you're no. looking at it. Yeah. Is kitchen was right, living room's left. Yes. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Roseanne did it right. Yeah. That's how it has Full to be. Ho- Full House did it right. Full House did it right, yeah. Um, Who did it wrong? Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, they did it wrong. Fresh Prince. You know what? I think it's just uh, the black houses. They have their kitchens on the left. <laughs> White houses, kitchens on the right. That can't be true. Well, I'm going to sit down and dig through 50 years of... No, because the honeymooner... No, honeymooner's kitchen was on the right. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All in the family kitchen was on the left. Okay. Oh, also... Married with Children Kitchen was on the left. Love and marriage. Right, yeah. Kitchen was yeah, on the left. Yeah, kitchen's on the left. Yeah. So, mm, proved your own theory on All racist. Right. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, tell us about hanging with Mr. Cooper. Uh, so, Mark I don't Curry. Know shit about it. Mark Curry. What did, he, did he go on to do anything after this? I don't know. He was, he's a sta- well, he does, he like, hosted a lot of stand up stuff, mm. you know. Um, was a former NBA player for the Golden State Warriors and then becomes a uh, high school gym teacher and or substitute teacher because he like taught shop and stuff too. Um, moved in with some roommates because I guess apparently he, I don't know, I don't remember if he didn't save his money or just they didn't think this out too well as far as, hey, we need a guy to live with two women, but he wants to be a, former pro basketball player. I, 
So Mark Curry moves in with Holly Robinson, Pete, mm-hmm. and uh, Don Lewis. Uh, and eventually, uh, Don Lewis left the series, and then they added uh, uh, who was it that his uh, Geneva Lee, played by Sandra Quarterman, like uh, she was a little older. She was Mark's cousin, and then she brought in a daughter. I think it was their way of bringing younger kids into the series, so that then they can make friends with uh, uh, Tyler and Irvin. Irvin being my favorite <coughs> character, I think of all time ever. I don't know anything. Omar Gooding. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. yeah. He played. He was just the 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 dumb kid that Mark Curry would then have to uh, uh, tutor and mentor. And then he moved on to great things such as Wild and Crazy Kids. Mm-hmm. Where's that before this? Um, Wild and when Crazy did Kids. Wild and Crazy it? Kids. Was that really before that? Nickelodeon, yeah. Wow, I'm old. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> As we both <laughs> stare at our laptops. Here's the thing. We should have like a this silence uh, cart just running that you could, <laughs> you could pot up. <clears throat> uh, I watched a little bit of Hanging with Mr. Cooper, if it was on. I didn't. This I, was, I this, knew it was on TGIF, but... Yeah, well, it originally started running on Tuesdays. It filed Full House, and then in the second season, they moved it to TJF, where it was on for three seasons before they moved it to the Saturday Night Graveyard. Mm. Um, but I had to I had to pick Hangman Mr. Cooper by request because as I was getting ready to come over today, uh, my wife's just dancing around the house singing the theme song to Hangman with Mr. Cooper. Man, I thought you were the dark of the relationship. Oh, no. I married a dork. <laughs> Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Where did it fit in the Full House or the TGIF lineup? Because it was not full. First of all, the original run of, of um, TGIF was dominated ooh, ooh. by. Let, hang on. Let me try to. The original four? Yes, original four. Full House. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the first show. No. Uh, uh, Perfect Strangers. Mm hmm. Uh, the f- something like kind of kid angel kind of thing or some shit. You're thinking just the ten of us? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Mr. Belvedere. I don't want to. Fuck, Mr. Belvedere was TGIF. Uh, was first first run. No shit. Second run, Full House. Then Family Matters came into the picture. Family and Matters. And I was gonna pick that. But I was thinking of it, but... Because I love Family Man. That's a fucking awesome show. Perfect oh, Strangers shit. and Just the Ten of Us. Why didn't I just say that? Kitchen's on the right. Yeah, it is. Wow. So your theory's, again, blown out the window. Who... Okay, 1990. Is that the original run of TGIF? No, that 88 was the original no run. No shit, yeah. wow. 1990 had Full House, Family Matters... Perfect Strangers, and a show you're going to talk about later, which I don't want to spoil. Um, that was a hell of a lineup. And eventually... Well, then then the following year... No. What, we, I, oh, yeah. Okay. The following year, Family Matters was followed by a little show called...
This came in to replace Full House when Full House moved to Tuesday. We're just figuring this out as right. the, the music's playing. The music, yeah. um, okay, because I just said Mr. Cooper followed Full House. Full House was the power, literally the powerhouse. That was just a ratings yeah. monster. It was too good for TGIF. Yeah, it, it, it was basic. It didn't need it. It was yeah. its own anchor. Right. Um, we. Do, do, Friday do. night. It's funny. Friday Hang on. night. I'm picturing myself on the roller coaster. Friday night is now where they put television to die, and then 2020. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, and we grew up with Friday night yeah. being the premier block of yeah. television, followed by 2020. <laughs> people finally realized after how many millennia of existence that Friday nights is a good time to go out and actually do something, not just sit around and watch TV. Right. Well, I don't know. Uh, my parents would go out and they'd leave us home to watch TGIF. Maybe that's what it was all about. What? It was the... It was the... To babysit. The babysitter, Yeah. yeah. So what was this line, this lineup? Uh, let me go back to TGIF. Okay. So the first lineup that includes Step by Step was in, in 1990, 1991, it was Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers, and a show called Going Places. Wow. They really always had that one that just didn't make it. Right. And then that, Going Places was replaced by Your Last Pick yeah. in, the, in the spring. And then 1991-92, Family Matters was now the opener. Which had a there was a twenty eighth show with thirteen point five million viewers. Uh, was followed by Step by Step from eight thirty to nine, and then uh, there was rep- there was three looked like three different shows: Perfect Strangers, Baby Talk, and Your Last Pick. And do you remember Baby Talk? Yes, I don't remember I that at all. Do you remember briefly? Billy? I think it was just a ripoff of... Uh, Look Who's Talking. Look it Who's was. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. It was a loosely based then. Huh. I don't remember this at all. George Clooney was in it. Baby Talk? Yeah. Wow, he did a lot of garbage before ER, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, he did a great show where he beat the sister, and that was that's my last pick. He beat the sister of the, the star. Oh, Yeah. Oh, I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. He was still handsome while doing it. Billy's an American sitcom spinoff of Head of Class. Starred Billy Connolly, the Scottish teacher who moves to America. I don't remember this at all. Billy Connolly had a show? All right, let's make note of this. We should, we should go do a we, TGIF. We got to let, – let's concentrate here. Let's <laughs> – let's, Bring it all back in. <laughs> it's bringing it. But then we'll make note, and we'll, we'll go deep on and just into the darkness of TGIF. just the f- 
those four episode produced, nine episode yeah, we, produced. Yeah, we won't each pick one. We'll just go through season just by season of TGI. Figure it out as we go and try that. to remember what we'll we do can. that for you. <laughs> You'll, you might not want to listen to it. We are going to do you the service, and in the next, well, should, we, should we do it next week? I don't have time to do that next week. Yeah, but we don't, you just we, want ne- to research ne- it, right? I got it because I have to go deep. Okay, I we'll get to it within the next quick few turn weeks. On. Next week's got to be a bottle episode. Right. Which for you, snacks is an oh, easy, if, an easy oh, bottle episode. Oh yeah, we're doing snacks. Yeah. I thought you meant snacks as in what I need snack. Like because <laughs> last night at two in the morning, as I'm watching old episodes of I was just getting Wings and News Radio. I was noshing on my what did I have? I had some some really, sort of weird. I had some mozzarella. Middle Eastern cheese. No, no, I'm out of mesholele. <laughs> um, there was some mozzarella. I had a really good English cheddar. Uh, some soprasada. What's that? Which would uh, it's uh, f- imagine salami but fattier. Uh, <laughs> uh, some Greek olives and you were I'd, doing uh, like a little tapas, huh? Yeah, and a nice little sourdough. And before I had left for work early in the morning, <laughs> I had uh, infused a little garlic and hot pepper flakes with some olive oil. So I had a nice little dipping olive oil for when I got back. You were adorable. And then followed that up with a uh, uh, downed it with a. Sly Fox Hot Project number one that I just bought a case of. That was, what is that? Uh, it's fucking awesome. Take beer. the enamel off your teeth? No, it's a. It's a Not pretty, that hoppy? Oh, it's very hoppy. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what you were saying. Yes, it's yeah. very hoppy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Oh, it's delicious. Anyway, about step by step. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I thought we were talking about snacks. This was Patrick Duffy's big return to TV after a little show called Dallas. Um, that was my best Andy Bernard. <laughs> uh, Suzanne Summers was also the very hot, and it was kind of like Brady Bunch almost. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it's a it's a rather Mixed Brady family. Bunch. So Suzanne Summer had her smoking hot daughters, and Patrick Duffy also had smoking hot daughters. Right? There's one boy, or two boys, uh, three boys, three boys. And the, and Co- like and cousin Cody. Cousin Cody was my favorite character. Yeah, because Suzanne Summers. Okay, Suzanne Summers had the blonde girl, mm-hmm. the brunette girl, and the dork boy. The right? dork, yeah. And then Patrick Duffy had the sporty lesbian, right? Uh, the older creep with the the super bowling man. the the Charlie Sheen. Yeah, and then the little the little sporty boy, right? Yeah. And then Cousin Cody. Who was Cousin Cody? Cousin? Uh, this is Suzanne Summers' cousin, right? I think so. Okay. The fi- <laughs> Let's go to Wikipedia. The no, Foster no, no. family. No, no. It's got it's to be because it's Cody Lambert. So it's oh, got to be Cody Frank's. Lambert. Yeah, it's Frank's family. Yeah. So he Frank's in, nephew. Yeah. He lived in a uh, van outside. Mm-hmm. There's a van in the driveway. Yeah. So the Foster family, obviously, was uh, Suzanne, the matriarch. And she was a beautician who ran the salon, which was located in the home, right? Yeah, uh, next to the kitchen. Yeah, it was right yeah. next to the kitchen. Yeah. So, yeah, the kitchen in this case was in the middle because right. the beauty salon was... Right. Was that there in season one? I was trying to remember if it was there in season one or it's like they ran out of things from the deuce or like we need a beauty salon. No, it was there from the get-go. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like home improvement where they added the hardware store because they needed one more place to have Tim do shit. No, but I love the hardware store. Yeah. Uh, then Dana was the eldest daughter. She was a smart, wisecracking feminist. And she was always hostile to the Lamberts, particularly JT. 
Uh, but I thought there was kind of a Sam and Diane between them. <laughs> uh, NBC definitely would have pushed for that. <laughs> Karen Foster was the second oldest, and she was the model and country singer and vain and really stupid. Uh, but she had her moments of level-headedness. And the dork was Mark Foster, uh, who's in the computers and academics, who I related with. The Lamberts, uh, Frank was Patrick Duffy. Uh, he was a big fan of the Green Bay Packers. Um, JT was the eldest son. And the slacker in the sports, Packers fan. Boo. I'm a Vikings fan. Sorry, people. Uh, didn't they do a special episode where he had dyslexia? They found out he had dyslexia. I'll just grunt into the mic. <laughs> sure. <to> <laughs> um, then, then the the sporty Alicia, known as Al, uh, was Frank's only daughter. The tomboy, all American girl. Uh, Why did I like the show? Because I mean, really, they just took the formula. Then Brendan was the youngest. He was the shy and carefree youngster, uh, most accepting of the new family. And what? Oh, he was written out of the. Sh- <laughs> when the show moved from ABC to CBS. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Apparently, know that ABC shit canned it because it wasn't doing well. CBS bought it up to try their own Friday night block, and it just it didn't work out. And they wrote out the character. Oh, they just made him unseen. They still talked about him. <laughs> uh, then Cody, Sasha Mitchell, Frank's nephew, appears as a recurring cast member and upgraded to regular in season two. Uh, the Valley Teen accent he put on was fucking awesome. I, I think he made the show. He did. Without him. And the, those, the, moments of, uh, the moments of intellect that would come out of nowhere. He would just be – like it's a very, it was a very Bill and Ted mm-hmm. uh, – kind of thing he'd go in and then out of nowhere he would just pull this knowledge out of his ass and he'd usually be the voice of reason towards the end yeah and they wrote him out of the show because he was accused of domestic violence and then he was acquitted and uh you know what i remember so hearing he, about they brought that. him back in the set in one episode but step by step was always good because it had i don't know i liked it because Susan Summers and the Hot Daughters, but it was well, also I mean, funny, and Cody yeah. was great. Well, it, it was pretty much, you could say it's a ripoff of the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch was successful. Everyone, when the Brady Bunch ran, they loved it, and mm-hmm. this was our version of it. Right. So apparently, um, they were trying to, I guess it was... Uh, they're trying to give Family Matters Steve Urkel a white counterpart. And is that what Cody was? No, they were trying to this is in Family Matters. Oh, that's where some of the cast came from. So they were developing a character for Family Matters and then it turned into a show of its own? Kind of, I guess. I mean, I not I might be reading this improperly. I don't know. It was great. I love and then that was <clears throat> obviously led to the next show in the block. <laughs> this was nine. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, hold on. Let me get out of this. There you go. Pot it up.
I'm home. Dinosaurs. I fucking love this show. Yeah, it was so different. Um, it almost wasn't. I mean, well, uh, I guess this has been like a little brainchild of Jim Henson for right. a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess they didn't know. Everyone was kind of afraid to jump on it because the idea of like a, a Muppety family. Well, it was also before science was so accepted. Pangea. All those yeah. ideas of well, it was very it tackled a lot of <laughs> it tackled a lot of environmental issues too, it did. It, big time. In fact, the the, the series finale kind of uh, hit on that. But uh, it, it was the Simpsons is what helped get this thing made. Yeah. Then the network saw that okay, people will accept like an animated sitcom family, so we could take uh, they'll accept a dinosaur sitcom family. So then Brian Henson, uh, Jim's son, kind of took it and uh they got together and along with a bunch of all those uh all those puppeteers and with the help of disney uh one puppeteer including uh kevin clash who you might know as a uh the voice and operator of elmo for mm-hmm. all those years the disgraced yeah disgraced kevin clash which he was to be uh, fair he's been baby sinclair a, yeah which now going back and listening to it, and also Sounds having just like Elmo. having Elmo in my house, mm-hmm. uh, we actually went directly from an episode of Dinosaurs into an episode of Sesame Street this morning. So uh, yeah, if you close your eyes, you can't really tell the difference. Did you know a lot of the supporting characters had names that had to do with petroleum products? Mm-hmm. Ethel yeah. Phillips, Roy Hess, uh, BP, BP, yeah, mm-hmm. which is Sherman Helmsley. Oh yeah! Oh, that's right. Yeah, Sherman Helmsley played um, Donald Trump. I mean, um, I mean, BP Richfield. Right. Um, But yeah, oh man, this show is great. So talk about that last episode. Um, it dealt with well, the Ice Age was coming. It was sad, right? It was. Yeah, it was sad. It was changing nature depicts irresponsible actions of the dinosaurs toward their environment in the suing ice age, which leads to their demise. <laughs> yeah, well, because Earl had worked at We Say So, which it's just a fantastic name for a company, um, where he was a logger. Uh, and he and Roy, uh, was it Roy, the T-Rex, his T-Rex buddy? I think it was Roy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, a, and by logger, I mean he would just push trees over. But I think those, I think the, the Richfield scenes in the trailer, he was a triceratops and he'd get all excited and be pounding on the desk and jumping up and down his horns, going through the roof, just ripping the place apart. I think he was a fantastic character. Fearing a public, they put, they kill the bunch beetles breeding grounds and they go extinct. We see so quickly puts Earl in charge of an attempt to destroy the vines, which had grown out of control without the beetles to keep them in check. Earl proposes spraying the planet with defoliant, which causes destruction of vines, but also kills all plant life on the planet. <laughs> BP Richfield assumes the creation of clouds will bring rain. 
allowing the plants to grow back, so it decides to create clouds by dropping bombs on the planet's volcanoes that cause eruptions and cloud covers. The dark clouds instead cause global cooling in the form of gigantic cloud covers simul simulating the effects of what a viewer would recognize as nuclear winter. <laughs> the scientists estimate what would take tens of thousands of years to dissipate BP Richfield demise this as fourth quarter problems and states that We Say So is currently making record-breaking profits from cold weather, <laughs> selling blankets, heaters, and hot cocoa mix as a result of the cold snap. Later, Earl apologizes his family and stands for its actions that led to the end of the world. Babies assured that no matter what happens, they will always be a family. And DNN Howard Hand Me Up concludes his final broadcast. That is a dark ending. Mm -hmm. um, almost hits too close to home. A little bit. <laughs> And I mean, this was 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, 23 years ago. Look at me just doing math on the spot. Wow. Uh, and just, I mean, baby was everywhere, though. Baby was that everywhere, was huge. not the mama. Not the mama. I'm mm. um, the baby, gotta love me. Well, you had the doll, the pull yeah. string doll. Yeah. And I even had the board game, too. Really? That was kind of fun. Yeah, you had to get to the fridge. <laughs> and you had to, remember the little, like, furry, what the hell did they call them? They're like the mammals that they would eat. So the, there was always, they were always alive in the fridge. <laughs> oh, we got to move on. We do. We can't talk about mammals that dinosaurs ate. Oh, we I forgot about Mr. Lizard, though. Mr. Lizard? Was it Mr. Lizard's World or what was the name of the show? But it was like Mr. Wizard. Ah. But uh, it's like, looks like we'll need another Timmy. Because they would always kill off a little dinosaur <laughs> kid in every episode. <laughs> That's it's good. fucking fantastic. All right, my next choice. Hello? Hi, this is Gene Shalit. I'm having a bad hair day. If you don't believe me, look out the window. Ah, uh, the critic. John Lovitz, Nancy Cartwright, backdoored by The Simpsons, created by Simpsons creators and producers. This, uh, James L. Brooks was one of them, and uh, that Gracie Films that had the same ending that Simpsons had. Mm -hmm. I love this show. Oh, this show is it, fantastic. There wasn't enough of it. There was only four seasons, and it finished another show that jumped networks. It started on Fox, or ABC's, wait, it's first broadcast on ABC in 94 and finished on Fox, but it was backdoored, I think, by The Simpsons, right? Mm hmm And uh, they started with the character of Jay Sherman on The Simpsons for man getting hit in the nuts by football. <laughs> When they have the the f film festival, Mr. Burns stacks the deck on. Uh, well, Jay Sherman and his coming attraction show and his boss is great. Um, fuck, we are just. I'm not. I'm. I'm not with it today. I was trying uh -huh. to think of his name. It's Duke. Yeah. There's so many good. There's so many good uh, movie parodies, and 
I was, it was just a send-up of, of pop culture. I'm trying to think of who Duke reminded me of, and he actually reminds me of an old GM I, we used to work for. Absolutely. He does, and yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I don't want to get too, too personal, but those people exist. They do. In that, in, that, in that business, and he's a spitting image of it. Mustache and all. Mustache and all. And it's funny, the, this, the primetime cartoons... I think you know, what did this come back as? They came it came back as like an internet show like on uh on like when when Flash was huge and what did they call it? I can't remember, but it came back for like smaller episodes and I know AOL published an article called Gone Too Soon the Critic where they said it was like ahead of its time. <clears throat> There's a lot of fan sites. I have the DVDs. Uh and it was it was just a really funny uh, and it was a sweet show, Again, sweet and smart and well, smart yeah. because e- even though like he is kind of a dick, mm-hmm. but he was only like a dick to the movies, right? Outside of that, in his own personal life, he was just this meek, you know, very Who cared mild. about his he, son. He cared about him. He just wanted to be, he wanted to be accepted, just like the films wanted to be accepted. <laughs> well, you know about the critic. You love the critic. We all love The Critic, but there's probably a show that we're talking about next that everyone always loved and still loves to this day. Listen to that Dolby surround sound. <laughs> Slapping the bass. First show ever to be presented in Dolby. And uh, Gordon Shumway. This was like must-watch TV the, the, for this, kids from was, 1986 the, to 1990. The, the, still the great one of my favorite shows ever. He's still my favorite TV character of all time. He is. He's great. Willie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that I still. Remember sitting there the first time, and thinking he come when he comes Cats out. That's might taste good. Yeah, but when he comes out to Bob Seger, singing in the pickle, doing the risky business. Dun 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 dun. dun. Uh, I uh, that I love that episode, that moment right there, and uh, the Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching a ton of Alf. Um, apparently. Not as much fun to produce as it was to watch. Uh, what, what was behind it? Uh, they said life was miserable on set. Why? They were talking to 20 to 25 hours to shoot one episode. Oh, because of the puppet? Yeah. Working with the puppet. The whole set was raised, and there was just trap doors and blocking and everything like that. Like, you were walking on planks, and uh, they said at the uh, after the final episode, as soon as they wrapped... Max Wright went to his dressing room, grabbed his bag, went to his car, and drove away. Really? Didn't even say goodbye. <laughs> they said he was really bitter about it. He didn't like uh, playing second fiddle to a puppet. They Everyone bitched that Al, Alf had the best lines. Yeah, the show's called Alf. Right. Alf has the best lines. You played a straight man. Alf is a Milmachian, you know, 
well, Space Defender. Well, wasn't I, and I've heard this, I think on the Nerdist, the puppeteering voice of Alf. Was, isn't he Paul kind Fusco? Of a, yeah, isn't he kind of a diva? Yeah, they make a big issue um, about when they're out and about. Anytime Alf does an appearance, like no one can see Alf when he's not doing his thing, like yeah. on set. Like the second he is off off air, off stage, he's immediately packed up and the puppeteers and Fusco immediately like just leave the building. No one can see Alf or be around Alf. Uh, but this show, it brought me so much joy. It did. It brought us all so much joy. But uh, except for the final episode, <laughs> which might go down as, if you thought dinosaurs were sad, Alf might be the saddest, most depressing ending to any show ever. Outside of maybe uh, Fox did it with Space Above and Beyond when they kill off half the characters and just have them laying there in bed looking up into the sky as half their friends are dead. And they're like, yep, show's over. Um, Alf, uh, Rhonda, and his friends who had survived Melmac exploding come back to get Alf. And he's standing there, like, in the woods, in the light, like, in the tractor beam, whatever, and they're about to get him. And all of a sudden, the alien task force shows up. And they, Rhonda, being the great girlfriend that she is, they all take off, leaving Alf there. And the alien task force surrounds Alf. And it says, to be continued. And then that was it. They canceled it? They canceled it. Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't until... um, uh, what four or five years later, when ABC got the rights and made Operation Alf, where basically picks up right after that, where he's in government custody. But yeah, the series ends with Alf being uh being caught by the military, and the Tanners. Well, you learn in Operation Alf that they get sent to Reykjavik, but uh. Yeah, that, that's, that's how this lighthearted and fun show ends. <laughs> oh, but then then Project Alf yeah. was the cliffhanger. Uh, Project Alf, Operation Alf, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's... Yeah, that's the ABC made-for-TV movie that they made. That was a follow-up. Right. We played a clip from that after... Uh, we did. But that was, that was the, the fix the cliffhanger, right? Project Alf? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was just to patch that up. Um, it wasn't supposed to be, I don't even evil genius, mainly evil. Brandon Tartikoff said it was a big mistake canceling the show. You guys had at least one or two more seasons left. You regretted canceling, canceling Al. Tina Fey said in an interview with Conan O'Brien that her biggest frustration as producer of NBC's 75th anniversary special was dealing with Al's people. Fey said Fusco would only allow Alf to appear on the show if the puppeteers were hidden from everyone else. After Alf's cameo alongside former Family Ties star Michael Gross, Alf disappeared through a hole in the riser and was stuffed into a case and immediately removed from the building. Hmm. Yeah. Then he had a cartoon, too. Well, Mm -hmm. we don't need to talk about that now. Nah, we'll get into cartoons down the road. And comics, but... Merchandising, merchandising. All right, time to talk about my last show.
I love Roseanne. I can just listen to that theme all day. Lanford's favorite daughter. Fictional. You know why I like it? was this show and I think Married with Children, but mainly this show that we'd watch as a family and like you'd think, oh, there's not- other poor people out there. Yeah. Middle class, you know, working families that struggle with a budget and don't live live in kind of squalor <laughs> with a Godzilla figure in their living room. Uh, this show is fantastic, and uh, it's uh, it it got weird at the end with the the winning the yeah the lottery, the lottery. when it was only Dan Dine Dan, spoilers. Well, um, I, I think that was almost like they, well, he had his heart attack in season eight, right? Yes. Yeah. And then, but he survived. But then he wasn't around half the time in season nine because he was shooting Big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of, she kind of retconned the entire last season by saying it was a. It was all. Oh, she was writing a book. She was writing a book. And after Dan had died of his heart attack in season eight, season nine was just her thinking of how she wishes things worked out. So it's kind of like they realized, like, this is not the best season to go out on so let's just retcon the entire thing yeah the connors won the state lottery jackpot of 108 million dan ponders the meaning of life jackie meets her prince dj finds love and darlene after some trouble gives birth with johnny galecki (laughs) Uh, john goodman is absent for most of the season like you said and because he looks like walter sobchak in that in the episodes he's in and the season final episode, Roseanne reveals the entire series itself was actually a story written by Roseanne Connor about her life. To cope, Roseanne twisted major plot elements from her life from the story, with the audience does not discover until the final moments of the series. In reality, Dan's heart attack near the end of season eight was fatal, and the Connor family did not win the lottery. Also, Jackie's a lesbian. Beverly is straight. Scott is a probate lawyer that Roseanne befriended and set up with Leon, who she claims isn't very hip like she wrote him to be. Another difference is Mark and Darlene were a couple all along and David and Becky rather than the opposite. And there's two Beckys, Sarah Chalk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. W.G. Snuffy Walden, the music. Really? Yep. Again, we're going to talk about him every episode. I know. <laughs> and then I think Blues Traveler did it for the last season. He, he yeah, wrote lyrics. That was, yeah, I still like that. Yeah, it was all right. And it dealt with like... Um, homosexuality before a lot of shows did it dealt with uh drugs and being poor and i don't know racial issues and uh, domestic abuse <clears throat> yeah I, I don't i don't i don't think you can make like you can make a show today that would handle um situations like this mm-hmm. but you couldn't make it a comedy like roseanne was i don't think Plus, I, I don't Plus, know. I, just, I, I think you I need the cast to do it. You need the right people, and they had all the right people. They did. Yeah. I mean, you had Roseanne. It was her show. And, I mean, I do I need to go off about John how Goodman. amazing John Goodman is? <laughs> right. I mean... It, you didn't need anyone else with no. those two people. But they did have other great people. Mm-hmm. But those two were the anchors, and they yeah. were great, and they were... Realistic. Know. Like, you could... Um, that was a real couple. Yeah. That's what real couples are like. Right. <laughs> You know? I mean, I wouldn't know, but... Yeah. I wouldn't know. I'm very happy. (laughs) So these were our shows. We always find ourselves out of... We should put our favorites at the top. Yeah. Or at least try not to squeeze 10 things into one hour. 
leave, we'll leave next next time. We if we were to reshoot like re record this, we're gonna get back to. I we would leave hanging with Mr. Cooper for the <laughs> what the fuck. I spent way too. I spent more time talking about how I didn't watch Hanging with Mr. Cooper than I did watching Alf. Alf, right? We're coming back. We're talking Alf. We could do whole. We'll just. We can. All right, re- here's what we're promising. Here's redo our this, campaign promises. We do this entire episode <laughs> over again. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk. We're gonna spend a whole episode on Alf. We're gonna spend a lot of episodes on talking John Goodman and Roseanne because we have already. Yeah. We will give you more critic. We are gonna delve deeper into TGIF, oh. and next week we are talking snacks and uh, another great cue that you <laughs> behind the scenes of rad years i think you're gonna punch me in the face i couldn't reach <laughs> but uh yeah so next week we're talking about snacks from our past that we grew up eating that may still exist but some don't exist anymore but a lot this past year they brought back fuck i mean if you want to talk drinks they brought back surge uh ecto cooler Mountain Dew Pitch Black, Crystal Pepsi. I mean, every, you look at... It, well, they're, they're knowing the nostalgia's back. It's the same reason that you're listening to us <laughs> ramble on about nothing. It's the same reason you'll go and buy a Crystal. You knew it was shit. The people who grew up in the <laughs> 80s and 90s finally have money and want to spend it on garbage. All, all that shit that your parents said, no, you can't have. Right, now you can now buy we, for yourself. And you can go, oh, you know what? They were right. They were right. So, yeah, next week's episode, we're going to talk snacks. This week, we tried to talk TV shows. Jesus Christ. We got okay. on a few tangents. We talked TGIF. We're going to talk more about TGIF. We're going to talk more about all this shit because we felt like we didn't give you enough. <laughs> and there was a lot of dead air. And we're sorry about that. We'll it's, try and come up with a dead air bumper. We're, we're so – our thoughts – I'm in dead air right now. If you, you can can't only, articulate if you can why we're only, in dead air. There's dead air because we're trying to articulate. see the way the electrons in our brains bounce back and forth and then just – pause <laughs> yeah that's almost like we should be dead yeah well for this week's i guess you could call it a rad years podcast <laughs> i'm rk i'm squeezer we'll see you next week